Hello and welcome to Books by Old Dead Guys. I'm Scott. And I'm David. And we are here on episode 52. That's a full year's worth of of books of by old dead guys. Books and old dead guys. How about that? Well, we're <laughs> thankful that you're listening today. We have been moving through Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. And David, catch us up to right where we are in this section. Man, I, so we've been looking at the various different ways that that Satan works to tempt us to sin. And so what we've been talking about recently is him putting on uh, virtue's colors onto sin, trying to paint sin in a way that makes it look like virtue. Before that, we were talking about how uh, Satan constantly puts forth the bait and hides the hook, Mm -hmm. that he hides the consequences that come with sin. And so last week we were talking about how he just paints sin with these virtuous colors. He he does his best to make sin look like a good thing. We talked about how prevalent that is even today of just seeing people who look at evil and call it good. Right. Who look at good and call it evil. Uh, And so uh, today we're starting on the third device. So Scott, if you will, please take us away. Here we go. Device three, by extenuating and lessening of sin. Ah! Saith Satan, it is but a little pride, mm. a little worldliness, a little uncleanness, a, a little drunkenness, etc. As Lot said of Zoar, it is but a little one, and my soul shall live. Alas, saith Satan, it is but a very little sin that you stick so at. You may commit it without any danger to your soul. It is but a little one. You may commit it, and yet your soul shall live. Mm. It is just a little sin, a, a little white lie. A, it's just a little, it's just a little thing that I'm I'm taking without asking. Yep. It's just a it's just a little thing. Yep. Surely, surely God can overlook this little thing. Yep. yep. That's that's man. Oh, you want to talk about? That hits you, hard. You right? wanna, yeah. You want to talk about things that I hear Satan saying? Man, I hear the tempter say things like that. Shoot, I, and we deal with it every day, yeah. right? Like, I mean, think about the the normal. The normal guy or girl who listens to this and works an eight to five job, right? It's just it's just ten minutes. Yeah. You know? I'll just head out. Nobody will care. Nobody will care. Nobody will notice. Yeah. 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 I mean, golly, the, there, there are just so many ways that this manifests itself. So this is a good one. Mm. Mm. Well, tell us some of these remedies that uh I would that love Brooks to. has for us. Let's see what Brooks has got. Remedy one. First, solemnly consider. That those sins which we are apt to account small have brought upon men the greatest wrath of God. Mm -hmm. As the eating of an apple, gathering a few sticks on the Sabbath day, and the touching of the ark. Oh, the dreadful wrath that these sins brought down upon the heads and hearts of men. The least sin is contrary to the law of God, the nature of God, the being of God, and the glory of God. And therefore, it is often punished severely by God. Do not we see daily the vengeance of the Almighty falling upon the bodies, names, states, families, and souls of men for those sins that are but little ones in their eyes? Surely, if we are not utterly left of God and blinded by Satan, we cannot but see it. Oh, therefore, when Satan says that it is but a little one, do thou say, Oh, but those sins that thou callest little are such as will cause God to rain hell out of heaven upon sinners, as he did upon the Sodomites. 
I love, I love that he starts off with these little sins have brought upon men the greatest wrath of God. And then, and then he lists the eating of an apple, which of course we, we know is Adam and Eve in the garden, right. taking of that forbidden fruit, right. which brought death upon all mankind. Yep. That, that the entirety of humanity was sentenced to death by this eating of this forbidden fruit. Yep. And then the other two that he listened, he lists gathering a few sticks on the Sabbath day. Just just breaking the Sabbath commandment yep. was, you know, we read in, in the books of, that Moses wrote yep. that God's punishment upon that person who gathered those sticks on the Sabbath day was death. Yep. You know, the, the touching of the ark. That's all. That's a, man, I'm going <laughs> to yeah. tell you, the, the, one of the best sermons I've ever heard in my life, and I hope everybody goes to find it, is R.C. Sproul's sermon on Uzzah. Mm. When he talks about the fact that the cart tipped over and Uzzah reached up to touch the ark and he, he was killed for it. Yes. And and in his in his gruff, crusty old voice, R.C. Sproul says something along the lines of, Uzzah's great sin is that he would somehow think that his sinful hands are somehow less unclean than the dirt that God has made. And mm. I'm like, oh, 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 so good. <laughs> I want to preach like that. But it was, uh, you know, there's, the, but that's, that's the reality. That's you can take trip. it to the New Testament, right? Ananias and Sapphira. Yes. Oh, well, I'll, I'll just keep a little bit back. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll give most of it to the church. Yeah. I'll sell this land and I'll give most of it to the church, but I'll, I'll just keep a little bit and I, we don't have to tell anybody this. Yeah. And man walks in and, the Holy Spirit reveals it to Peter and calls Boom. him out on it. And yep. there they go. Yep. You know, both of them. You have not lied to men, but to God. But to God. And I mean, there's, it, and at the end of the day, it's it's the little thing. You know, it's the, um, it's the slow, small steps away from holiness mm. that Satan uses to, to disarm and then disable and then destroy. Right? Yeah. It's these little step-by-steps away from, you know... Things are going fine, and then you make this one little thing, and I, he's probably going to get there too. But you know, but that one little thing is a big thing. Yeah, it alone is worthy of your destruction, which mm-hmm. is what he's saying. Okay, let's see what else he's got. Let's see if I gave it away. Serious remedy too. I think I did, David. Seriously, <laughs> to consider that the giving way to a less sin makes for the committing of a greater. Ha! Huh? It's like I've read Puritans before. That is exactly it. He that to avoid a greater sin will yield to a lesser 10,000 to one, but God in justice will lead that soul to fall into a greater. If we commit one sin to avoid another, it is just that we should, it is just we should avoid neither. (laughs) We having not law nor power in our hands to keep off sin as we please, and we, by yielding to the lesser, do not tempt the tempter to tempt us to the greater. Do tempt, I'm sorry, do tempt the tempter to tempt us to the greater. Sin is of an encroaching nature. It creeps on the soul by degrees, step by step, till it hath the soul to the very height of sin. David gives way to his wandering eye. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then this led him to those foul sins that caused God to break his bones and to turn his day into night and to leave his soul in great darkness. Jacob and Peter and other saints have found this true by woeful experience that the yielding to a lesser sin hath been the ushering in of a greater. The little thief will open the door and make way for the greater. And the little wedge knocked in will make way for the greater. Satan will first draw thee to sit with the drunkard, and then to sip with the drunkard, and then at last to be drunk with the drunkard. 
He will first draw thee to be unclean in thy thoughts, and then to be unclean in thy looks, and then to be unclean in thy words, and at last to be unclean in thy practices. Hmm. He will first draw thee to look upon the golden wedge, and then to like the golden wedge, and then to handle the golden wedge, and then at last by wicked ways to gain the golden wedge, though thou runnest the hazard of losing God and thy soul forever. As you may see in Gehazi, Achan, Judas, and in many and many in these our days, sin is never at a stand, first ungodly, then sinners, then scorners. Here they go from sin to sin till they come to the top of sin, that is, to sit in the seat of scorners, or as it is in the Septuagint, to affect the honor of the chair of pestilence. Austin, writing upon John, tells a story of a certain man that was of an opinion that the devil did make the fly and not God. Saith one to him, If the devil made flies, then the devil made worms, and God did not make them, for they are living creatures as well as flies. True, said he, the devil did make worms. But, said the other, If the devil did make worms, then he he made birds and beasts and man, he granted all. Thus, saith Austin, by denying God and the fly, became to deny God and man, and so to deny the whole creation. By all this we see that the yielding to lesser sins draws the soul to the committing of the greater. Ah! How many in these days have fallen first to have low thoughts of scripture and ordinances, and then to slight scripture and ordinances, and then to make a nose of wax of scripture and ordinances, and then to cast off scripture and ordinances, and then at last to advance and lift up themselves and their Christ-dishonoring and soul-damning opinions above scripture and ordinances. Sin gains upon man's soul by insensible degrees. The beginning of the words of his mouth is foolishness, and the end of his talking is mischievous madness. Corruption in the heart, when it breaks forth, is like a breach in the sea, which begins in a narrow passage till it eat through, and casts down all before it. The debates of the soul are quick and soon ended, and that may be done in a moment that may undo a man forever. When a man hath begun to sin, he knows not where, or when, or how he shall make a stop of sin. Usually the soul goes on from evil to evil, from folly to folly, till it be ripe for eternal misery. Men usually grow from being naught to be very naught, from being very naught to be stark naught, and then God sets them at naught forever. Mm. So sin is of an encroaching nature. It creeps on the soul by degrees, step by step till it hath the soul to the very height of sin. Now, one of the things we we say here is that sin does, is not satisfied yep. to just have you in a, a minor sin, to just have you at these little sins, yep. but it, it constantly pushes you, yep. constantly wants more from you, constantly wants you to sin in greater and bigger and more outlandish and more God-dishonoring ways. Yep. Uh, I mean, it, it, you, you can't make a pet out of it. No. Yeah, you just can't. I mean, you think about this. How many how many saints are derailed in their church attendance by just this? Mm. Just, just Let's just take that one, right? Like, I've, I've been there. Like, it's easy. To wake up tired on a Sunday morning and go, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go today. Yeah, you missed that first one. You know what? You know what's easy to do? Miss two. Miss two. two. You know what's easy to do? 
miss three, you miss three, you can miss five, you can miss ten, and the next thing you know, I mean, and it's a matter of degrees, right? Yeah. Now, I'm not saying there are honestly sometimes very good reasons to not be at church. Don't get your nose out of joint if you're listening. But but most of the time, it should be the priority of our lives. All right, how about how about daily devotions? How about just mm. getting up in the morning and reading God's word? Yeah, you know, it's, it's sometimes it's just easier to sleep. Mm. But when you do, it's habits. We are a, we are creatures of habit, whether we like it or not. Yeah, and the habits that we create are reflective of what we truly worship. And what we truly fear, mm. and and so that and that's what he's saying. If those habits fall prey to this just this just this one time, or just this one sin, or just this little thing, then it, it's never going to be satisfied until it destroys you. Yeah, yeah, it's good. All right, remedy four. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is seriously to consider that there is great danger. Yea, oh. many times, most danger. Wait, wait, wait. We skipped one. Did we, we skip, skip three? Oh, three. I'm so sorry. One, two, four. I'm great at math. Remedy three. All right, hold on to that. That was four. Mm. This is three. The third remedy, here we go, against this third device that Satan hath to draw the soul to sin, is solemnly to consider that it is sad to stand with God for a trifle. <laughs> Divus would not give a crumb, therefore he should not receive a drop. It is the greatest folly in the world to adventure the going to hell for a small matter. I tasted but a little honey, said Jonathan, and I must die. It is a most unkind and unfaithful thing to break with God for a little. Little sins carry with them but little temptations to sin, and then a man shows most viciousness and unkindness when he sins on a little temptation. It is devilish to sin without a temptation. It is little less than devilish to sin on a little occasion. The less the temptation is to sin, the greater is that sin. Saul's sin in not staying for Samuel was not so much in the matter, but it was much in the malice of it. For though Samuel had not come at all, yet Saul should not have offered sacrifice, but this cost him dear, his soul and kingdom. It is the greatest unkindness that can be showed to a friend. To adventure the complaining, bleeding, and grieving of his soul upon a light and slight occasion. So it is the greatest unkindness that can be showed to God, Christ, and the Spirit. For a soul to put God upon complaining, Christ upon bleeding, and the Spirit upon grieving by yielding to little sins. Therefore, when Satan says, it is but a little one, do thou answer that oftentimes there is the greatest unkindness shown to God's glorious majesty in the acting of the least folly. And therefore thou wilt not displease thy best and greatest friend by yielding to his greatest enemy. Mm. Why would the, the question that, that Brooks brings forth, why would you break why why would you break your relationship with God? For a little thing. Over a little sin. You must think little of God if you're willing to, yes. to commit these little yes. sins. I love the way he puts it in the last sentence. That in the acting of the least folly, thou wilt displease thy best and greatest friend by yielding to his greatest enemy. That in, in yielding to these little sins, you break the relationship that you have with your greatest friend, your very best friend. So this section particularly reminds me of um, Jerry Bridges' Respectable Sins. Mm. Like, just in the, you know, that this is what we do. We think that there are such thing as respectable, respectable sins. Yes, and is what he's saying. This is the, these are things are the enemy of God. Yeah. Like, it should matter that these things are the enemy of God. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, Remedy 4, are we ready now? Mm. Ah, I was trying to get ahead of myself there. Remedy 4, the fourth remedy against this device of Satan, is seriously to consider that there is great danger, yea, many times most danger, in the smallest sins. A little leaven, leaveneth the whole lump. If the serpent wind in his head, he will draw in his whole body after. Greater sins do sooner startle the soul and awaken and rouse up the soul to repentance than lesser sins do. Little sins often slide into the soul and breed and work secretly and undiscernibly in the soul till they come to be so strong as to trample upon the soul and to cut the throat of the soul. There's oftentimes greatest danger to our bodies in the least diseases that hang upon us because we are apt to make light of them and to neglect the timely use of means for removing of them till they are grown so strong that they prove mortal to us. So there's the most danger often the least sins. We are apt to take no notice of them and to neglect those heavenly welts whereby they should be weakened and destroyed till they are grown to that strength that we are ready to cry out, the medicine is too weak for the disease. I would pray that would hear, but I'm afraid that sin has grown up by degrees to such a head that I shall never be able to prevail over it. But as I have begun to fall, so I shall utterly fall before it and at last perish in it unless the power and free grace of Christ doth act gloriously beyond my present apprehension and expectation. The viper is killed by the little young ones that are nourished and cherished in her belly. So are many men eternally killed and betrayed by the little sins, as they call them, that are nourished in their own bosoms. I do not saith one whether the maintenance of the least sin be not worse than the commission of the greatest, for this may be a frailty that argues obstinacy. A little hole in the ship sinks it. A small breach in the sea bank carries away all before it. A little stab at the heart kills a man. And a little sin, without a great deal of mercy, will damn a man. Mm. Mm. So there is great danger in little sins. Mm. Man. Yeah, so, you know, he's used a couple of medical illustrations in this, but the best one that I can think of is someone, if you went to the doctor and he told you that you had a little cancerous tumor... You would be concerned. You would be. And you would be very devoted to removing that little cancerous tumor because you are aware of the fact that a little cancerous tumor left unchecked will become a very large cancerous tumor. And so sin is like cancer. Mm-hmm. You leave it unchecked, it'll grow mm. and it will take over. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, Scott, remedy mm. number four. Five? Do we do we have time let's, for remedy yeah, number five? It. Remedy five. The fifth remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider that other saints have chosen to suffer the worst of torments rather than they would commit the least sin, i.e., such as the world accounts. So, as you may see in Daniel and his companions, that they would rather choose to burn than to be cast to the lions than they would bow to the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When this peccadillo in the world's account and a hot, fiery furnace stood in competition that they must either fall into sin or be cast into the fiery furnace, such was their tenderness of the honor and glory of God and their hatred and indignation against sin that they would rather burn than sin. They knew it was far better to burn for their not sinning than that God and conscience should raise a hell of fire in their bosoms for sin. I've read of that noble servant of God, Marcus Aurelius, minister of a church at the time of Constantine, who in Constantine's time 
and by the cause of overthrowing an idol's temple. Afterwards, when Julian came to be emperor, he would force the people of that place to build it up again. They were ready to do it, but he refused. Whereupon, those that were his own people, in whom he preached, took him and stripped him of all his clothes and abused his naked body and gave it up to the children to lance it with their penknives and then caused him to be put in a basket and anointed his naked body with honey and set him to the sun to be stung with wasps. And all this cruelty they showed because he would not do anything toward the building up of this idol temple. Nay, they came to this, that if he would but do the least towards it, if he would give but a half penny to it, they would save him. But he refused all. Though the giving of a half penny might have saved his life, and in doing this, he did but live up to that principle that most Christians talk of, and all profess, but few come up to. Mm. That is, that we must choose rather to suffer the worst of torments that men and devils can invent and inflict than to commit the least sin whereby God should be dishonored, our conscience is wounded, religion reproached, and our own souls in danger. Mm. 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 Consider that other saints have suffered the worst of torments than to commit the least of sins. Yeah. Mm. The value of church history, right? Yeah. You look at these guys who, you know, he, he, goes, he goes with Daniel he goes with, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which is a great point. I mean, you think about it. All, all they had to do, all they had to do was just one act of worship. One bow to the sky. One Surely time. grace would be sufficient to cover that one sin. Mm. If not, David? I mean, God doesn't want me to die, right? No, but, but you know, <laughs> you know, shocker, maybe he does. Mm. I mean... Yeah, you know, that goes against the best life now. Oh, kind of it really does. It? Yeah, the prosperity gospel guys are not a fan. Uh-huh. But there's there's the there's the reality that this is what it means to follow Jesus. Mm. You know, this is what it looks like to to forsake to deny to deny ourselves. Right? Is this this is the, the this is the fundamental of what we're talking about? Deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow us. You know, there are guys in this world that could avoid a great deal of temptation and sin if they would simply choose to live without the internet and or social media. Mm. Indeed. And yet are so unwilling to do a an extremely minor inconvenience mm. to their own lives that they would rather burn. Man... <laughs> But that's it's the deceitfulness of sin, that's right? That's the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, Scott, I, I, I hear a I hear a, a sound coming in, in the distance. Oh stop. There's a there's a what is oh there's something something I think it's something there's something coming. Hold on. I can't quite Ding And now it's time for the Puritan word of the day. Presented by David. Oh, the Puritan word of the day, folks. David's got the Puritan word of the day. The Puritan word of the day is peccadillo. Yes. Because I don't know about you, Scott, but I didn't have a clue what peccadillo Okay, meant. so I'm just going to be honest with you because I've listened to a lot of R.C. Sproul. <laughs> I do have this word. Okay. Because he uses this word. So peccadillo is a small, relatively unimportant offense or sin. Yeah. So it's literally a word to describe what he's been talking about for mm, several paragraphs. 
picadillo, a small, relatively unimportant offense yeah. or sin. So go go forth and use that this week picadillo. in your in, in your casual conversations. Pe- picadillo. To summarize Brooks for today, there are no such things as peccadillos. There are no peccadillos with God, only mm. with men. This has been your Puritan, Puritan word of the day. Ding. <laughs> and on that note. Um, <laughs> we'll call it a day. We'll call that that. All right, we've got two more remedies. We'll hit them. Uh, we'll hit them up next week. But thank you, friends, so much for listening. We appreciate the time that you give to listen to us read this. We hope that you're reading it along with us, and that it is a benefit to you, and that you will be able to use it to uh, fight the devices that Satan would put into your life as well. We'll talk again soon. Goodbye. <laughs>